the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up this week, we'll be answering your gardening questions on all things from agapanthus, rhododendrons and even coddling moth traps. We'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden. Plus, our brand new Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week, which... um, Well, is it a plant? Yes, of course it is. It's snowdrop. And of course, snowdrops you'll see everywhere. They flower from before Christmas right through to the end of February and beyond. Did you realise there's nearly a thousand different varieties? And these were all developed from 19 wild species that were found in Turkey. Now, some of them actually... Seriously, you can fetch hundreds of pounds for because they're a real rarity. They really are. But in this country, we've got about 250. I don't know whether you're going to collect them all because some are worth pennies and some are worth pounds. I don't know whether you've got that sort of money. But whatever you think, they're worth growing in your garden. And it doesn't matter however how small your garden is whether you've got a woodland, you can plant them in the verge, or you can plant them in containers. They're best, I think, still bought in the green rather than bulbs. Uh, Others would disagree with you. Um, I know Colesbourne Park, which is near Cheltenham, they've got actually some great open days, the 18th and 25th, and they have got 350 varieties of snowdrops. So if you want to get a feastful, I know it's Cheltenham, and I know it's a long way away, but they really have got plenty of snowdrops to show off so that's the 18th and 25th of february near cheltenham colesbourne park but just talking about them they believe you should still dry them off and plant them dry i have had dreadful results like that and i would always plant in the green which means as soon as they finish flowering you can move them around the garden or you can buy them from garden centers and retail nurseries and get them in containers and then you pop them in the garden they soon spread once they get going i found if i plant the bulbs in the squirrels or the rabbits or the badgers dig them up and eat them now of course not forgetting i did mention cheltenham long way away but we have some great places in essex that you could be also going to see snowdrops audley end beth chateau the gibbard garden over in harlow Easted Lodge, Headingham Castle up at Castle Headingham. That's a lovely place to go. And last but not least, Mark's Hall that has come on so well in the last few weeks and years. It really is worth having a look at. That's Mark's Hall up near Coggleshaw. Go and have a look. It's a great place to see snowdrops. So they are. And if you've got more snowdrop places that you'd like to tell us about, why not drop me a line to Ken Crowther at... P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2 9XB. Ken Crowther, this is BBC Essex. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I'll bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. 
But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with John from Holland-on-Sea. Hello, good morning. Thanks for your advice on the winter pansies. They did come back from the dead. I was going to throw them away, but you said keep them. Ah, you That's see. Now. Good man. How can we help then, sir? Uh, the wife's got some um, sweet peas and we've put them in the conservatory. Do we need to cover them with anything or just leave them open to these elements? No, sweet peas are a very hardy plant. And in fact, you could even keep them outside. I mean, um, if they've been kept... Now, hang on. I'd better be careful how I say that because if you've grown them indoors on the windowsill and then pop them outside, they obviously will suffer with the cold. But basically, you could sow them in a cold greenhouse up against a wall, anything like that, and they will come on. They're tough old things. They're just like uh, planting an early pea in the garden. It does the same. So in the conservatory, definitely not. How high are they now? They were put in last week, so they're not very oh, high yet. Right. Don't forget that when they get up to about two leaves or two to three leaves, you need to just pinch the centre out to make them branch. I don't know. what Do you do that normally or not? We don't normally do it. It's the first time we've done it, so that's why we're on to you this morning. Ah, right. So, yes, definitely definitely give it a go and see how you get on. Just pinch yeah, them they're out. They're in little individual pots at the moment. Is that OK? About, I think Jack yep. put about three to the pot. That's about right. Three to a pot will be good, but pinch them out, make them branch, and then you'll get a much better uh, amount of growth that you can grow up in. Are, you, are they nice high ones or are they a low-growing one? I think they're quite high ones, Ken. Yep. We'll, yep. we'll seal that, but we no need to cover them because Jack's nope. put bubble wrap on them at the moment. No, keep the bubble wrap away. They're no problem at all. All right? Thanks very much. Okay, that's John from Holland-on-Sea, and we go to uh, Joyce in Sudbury. Hello, just over the border there, Joyce. Hello, Ken. Um, I'm just ringing about to last week. I oh, found and, Joyce. And the trial. <laughs> Joyce, I remember because we discussed yes. it and we said we thought it was an animal of some sort that had made a trail across your lawn. Is that right? Yeah, yes, yeah. but it's only about, I'd say about four inches wide. I said six. I went up and had a look. Right. But have you it's still have, moving. <laughs> And it, you still haven't discovered what it is? No, and I looked on the wall. Yep. I looked on the wall and there hasn't been anything on the wall, only birds. <laughs> right, and it's four yeah. inches wide. Um, and is it really a marked trail of... Yes. Is the Is the grass actually wearing out where it trails? The trials? grass is absolutely gone. Gone? Yeah, it's completely gone as bare. Ah. It's really strange. A sign that's moving up the lawn now. It's so, very odd indeed. I wondered uh, if it was something underground. It is odd, isn't it? I, I don't mm. know whether anybody else has heard of this. I mean, no, well, somebody fun- <laughs> said about getting the um, fox hunt in. Oh, that's I right. Mean, the yes. horses to do <laughs> more damage, <laughs> they, wouldn't they? They would indeed. <laughs> um, you're not. I mean, are you a are you a webby type? Uh, I mean, could you take a picture and send it to us at all? Do you think? Well, oh. um, I have got. Yeah, I have got mobile. Um, so. You- would I send that to? Uh... Yeah, to, on on the phone. On the you can send that on the phone, or you can send it to the web address, which is yeah. ken dot crowther at bbc.co.uk, and we well, can pick be up the on, picture on the internet, wouldn't it? Anyway. Yes, yeah, it yeah. will. Well, I'll send... get my granddaughter to do it. Yeah. because I'm still new with the phone. No, that's fine. Get your granddaughter to do it, Joyce, and yeah. let's have a look at it, and we can discuss it further. How about yeah. that? And if anybody uh, out there's listening, it's four yeah. inches wide. How long is this track now? Well, my husband was saying it's about twelve inches across, but it goes round in a circle near the bush. 
goes around the circle near the bush. Twelve feet, I mean. <laughs> Twelve feet. Twelve feet um, long, but it's and not... And sort of gone round in a circle near a slab. It's got to one of the slabs in the and lawn, you know. And it's gone round in a circle where and the slab is. it's gone round in a circle then. It's starting to go up, go up the lawn. Very odd indeed. I tell yeah. you what, we, we need to need to find out more about that, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether to dig down and see if there's anything there. <laughs> it might be worth having a look, but I still think it's something on top of the ground. Tell you what, if anybody's got any ideas, perhaps yeah. they'll give us a call, Joyce. Thanks okay, very much. Then. Keep yeah. us in touch, Joyce, and try and send us a picture. That's Joyce in Sudbury with a trail across the lawn. Have you got any ideas what that could be? Oh three hundred two hundred forty forty one. Ken Crowther taking your calls here and discussing things in your garden. We now go to uh, Carol in Stock. Hello, Carol. Hello there. Hello there, Ken. You... Um, I'd like some help with my clematis. So I've got yeah. about five clematis in pots that I'm going to have to prune and repot. Now, can I do that at the same time now? They all, yeah. They're all ones that need hard pruning. They need. It, that's what. That was my question. So you beat me to the question. The oh, answer sorry. is yes. No, 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 no. I was just checking when they flower. If they all need hard pruning, yes, you could do the whole thing at once. Why are you Good. repotting them? Are they in too smaller pots? Yeah, they're only in about. <clears throat> excuse me. They're only in about a foot or two. No, about thirteen inches across the top. And I've too got some small. really nice big. Yeah, I've got some big eighteen inch across the top and a couple mm. of foot high ones. I want to put them into. And, yep. and the, the the cut edges. I mean, I'm probably going to do it over the next few days. What about if we have really bad weather the next day? Will that affect? No, no. It it the only thing it could do is just burn a little bit off of that stem, but it wouldn't <laughs> do any harm because, as you say, with a hard prune, they're gonna they yes. grow from the base of. The the plant yeah. so you haven't got yeah. to worry it will come again at the bottom does that make right. sense it yeah. does but i've got another i've got another one the josephine which isn't a hard prune yeah that's just a quick removal would that wouldn't be now would it that would be later no I would, what i, I do with the josephine that. if it's a bit straggly i would yeah, just cut the straggly bits off um cut it to perhaps three foot four foot i don't know mm-hmm. how high it is at the moment and it's only about five now so it's yeah, only just, a couple of foot off of it Top it off, tidy it up, and then plant it. And then, of course, you're going to put it back on a trellis or something, are you? I am, yeah. 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 So oh, that's, that's lovely. Thanks so much for that. Ken. Use a John in his number three compost. Oh, a number three. Right. Yeah. Okay, I was going to put a number two in that. Number well, three. two or three. If you've got two, use two. But don't worry. Um, I wouldn't use um, a multi-purpose compost on that because no. long-term, a John in is, is much more stable for them. Yeah. Right, number three. Lovely. Thanks oh, for that advice. That's okay, Carol. Don't forget, you can give us a call just as Carol has on 0300 200 4041. That's 0300 200 4041. That's what you need to call. And uh, we are talking about different things to do with gardening. If you know what that trail is across the thing, or you've had a trail across your garden, and you'd like to help that uh, lady over the, over the border in Suffolk with ideas, give us a call, 0300 200 4041, and we will come back to you on that as well. Yeah, 0300 200 4041. 81333 gets your message straight to me here in the studio, and I can refer to that as well. You just pop Essex on the front of 81333. Let's talk now to Tom in Great Baddo. Hello, Tom. Morning, Ken. Still morning, isn't it? Yeah. It Hydrangeas. is indeed. Hydrangeas, yeah. Big cauliflower ones. The, but, I like, um, do you know, I like your description. Big cauliflower. That's that's the mop head, I take it. The pinks and the blues, are they? That's the one, yeah. Yeah. 
The plant's donkey's years old. Yep. Um, it's, it's, it's six foot tall, but it's so leggy. It gets, it gets wet and it just touches the ground. You know, it, it can't support the weight. There's so much dead wood in there. Has it come to the end of its life? I was thinking of chopping no. it back. Three inches from the ground and see what happens. No, no, I would, I wouldn't cut it all back. I would cut half of it back, um, really hard into the base. Yeah, yeah. If you, I'm sorry. When I say half, you can imagine people sort of look drawing a line down the middle of the plant and doing half and not the other half. I don't mean that. I mean go through the bush and take half of them really hard back if it's got leggy, particularly the old wood. Get in there with even some loppers and chop it hard back. Yeah. Yeah. And then the new see, then you can deadhead in a month's time all the deadheads and then you'll get flower from those top ends of the old of the older wood then next year do exactly the same because you'll have the new growth that have come from the base give them a really good feed so in other words you're being very dramatic tom with it you're gonna you're gonna slaughter a lot of it uh, but it will give it a chance to regenerate and i yeah. think it will so that's so what i would do have a good bush again you should have a good bush again what do i feed it with boss any any good all round general fertilizer will do the job. Anything okay. you like. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. That's a pleasure. And they are. That's uh, a call from Tom in Great Baddo about his hydrangea. You could call about absolutely anything to do with gardening. Oh three hundred two hundred forty forty one. I'll be chatting to Derek just over the. Oh, he's just up the road in Onga. So we'll be talking to Derek in just a moment. And you can text me eight one triple three. Pot Essex on the front of that. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11. We'll be back to your calls, texts, and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at some tips that I've got for you for this week. Um, prune winter flowering shrubs after flowering. Now, you know what they are because they flowered. And uh, we were talking about one last week. So there, look out for those. And I think you can also prune your wajelias at this time of the year. Cut those hard back and let them burst forth. So there, look out for winter flowering shrubs. And it's a reminder of my top tip last week, which was go out and look for flowering shrubs at this time of the year. Your mahonias will have been starting to finish, some of your berberises. So if they finish flowering, thin those mahonias out, cut them back if they're getting too tall. Um, so there are. Get the secateurs out, see they're sharp, and get out there in the garden as long as it's dry weather. If it's wet, work off a board on those borders to save making those squidgy messes in your borders. Lastly, but not least, reminder again, apricots, nectarines, peaches. If it's frosty, and my word, we've got some cold weather coming up, and they're starting to flower, get one or two layers of horticultural fleece across them. Because if not, you'll lose that fruit. So they are apricot, nectarine, peaches, protect the blooms. Oh, not forgetting, early flowering plums as well. Watch for that as we go into the spring. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Dan would like to know something about his uh, apple tree in just a moment. But before that, I did say we'd talk to Derek. And Derek, you would like to talk about um, a shrub, is that right, Derek? What yes, shrub uh, are you can, after? Yeah. Yes. Can you advise me if there is a shrub or bush that has red foliage or orange foliage all year round? 
You don't want much, do you? <laughs> the only well, one... The <clears throat> thing yeah. is, I have uh, quite a substantial number of shrubs, bushes that are uh, evergreen, you know, yep. a, a mixture of yellows and greens and even a, a blue uh, all year round. Uh, but something I've longed for, and uh, having looked around, uh, I just wonder if there is such a, a, a shrub or bush that is indeed red or orange uh, in the winter all year round. The only one that is red most of the year is actually Fatinia red robin. Now, it does go greenish through the winter until about now, and now you get lovely new red growth tips come to it. Okay. The biggest problem, the biggest problem with that plant is that, no, the biggest problem with people having that plant is that they actually don't prune it, um, which means it doesn't encourage lots of new growth. It's worth regularly pruning, and okay. you normally prune it after you've had the show of the lovely red growth, and you can be quite hard on a fatinia. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Your your comment's interesting because I, this is what I get a bit fed up with. Actually, is that so many people? If you know, if I go to a garden to look round and they say, oh, "I like this border," you know, I like this border planted up, but I want evergreens. I don't want this. I don't want that. You know, I want it evergreen all the year. Well, you've quite rightly picked up on the fact that actually. Evergreens are generally green, aren't they? And they're pretty boring. Very much, and they're very much a mixture, indeed. Yes. They're boring, aren't they, in a way? Um, you might also consider using things like uh, something with a bit of yellow foliage as well, because you can get Eliagnis maculata. Now, that's got a yellowish foliage, yellow and green foliage. And you've got all Cuba, which... Uh, has a yellow foliage, so I wonder whether you could perhaps mix in a bit of yellows as well as the as the red. That's an yeah. idea for you, okay. isn't it? Yeah, I mean uh, the the plant, the Fortinia red robin yeah. that you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, possibly I uh, <laughs> I've looked around in uh, garden nurseries the wrong time of the year because obviously if I go round about now yep. um, they wouldn't be showing red as you said. That, they might um, be just starting if yeah, you look about, now, yeah. it's just starting to show the new growth and all the new growth is bright, bright red, it's fantastic and okay. it really does does look good. There will be periods of the year where you'll think, well it's not red and Ken said it would be. No it loses some of its red um, I'm just thinking of anything else the other, and the only other one, there is a Pyrrhus but I can't remember its variety would like, it would like acid conditions but there is a Pyrrhus that has the oh, same yeah. sort of principle oh, a bit yeah, more expensive yeah. and lower growing but there is oh, a Pyrrhus yeah. that produces red leaf as well no, oh. that's very helpful. Thanks very much indeed. Then. Best thank of you. luck, Derek in Onga. Yeah, 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 thank you. All Bye. the best. And Bye. we go for, to John in East Tilbury. Hello, John. Uh, good morning, Ken. Uh, my mother died recently. and She had a mm -hmm. large plant in the back garden, a Magnolia grandiflora goliath. That's a big plant, that one. Uh, yes. Uh, it stands between 13 and 14 feet high. Right. Yeah, and I was considering trying to dig it up and bring it down here, but right, it, the the right. Your restriction would be how old the plant is. About fifteen years. I think you would have your work cut out. Well, that's what I thought. So, my question to you is: Can I take cuttings from it? And if so, how do I get them to grow? I what do I plant them in? Right. How long have you got? 
Yeah. Um, you could try taking cuttings. They're not an easy one to get to grow at all. Um, right. You'd struggle a bit. It is a shame, actually, isn't it? That, and there's no bits of the plant that are laying near the ground at all. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I didn't notice that. I was and, most, and most likely you're going to, the house will not be in your possession for long, will it? No, it's, it'll be up for sale shortly. It'll go shortly. That yeah makes it more difficult. Um, normally you would take those cuttings in the summer, sort of June time. Right. You could try, but they're very, very difficult to take. I mean, they're not easy at all. You could try using rooting compound. You need it's because they're a large leafed plant. They're not very easy to do. Ah, uh, well, I see. What, what would I put them into to, to try though? Um, you could use a, a, a mix of multi-purpose or pre preferably buy a seed and cutting compost. But you don't right. see that in many places at all, and that's one of your problems. Yeah. Well. I'm quite prepared to drive all over Essex to find some. Yeah, you will find it. It is available. The, the, the plant that, you know, that, that, that's there, the bush, I should say, it stands about 13, 14. <sighs> Sounds um, like a beauty, it, doesn't it? Yeah, well, Mother had seen it uh, down in Cornwall up against uh, some house, and it was about 30 feet high, the ones you see. They, they um, grow up right up the... Um, they go right up the side of houses. You know, we see them in the old houses. You really do. Right. Um, across, they're enormous things. They're absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I mean, basically, do it, do it in a pot, but I would add either a bit of gritty sand or something called perlite. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I would use. And the, the, you don't want the cutting much more than six inches long. Right. Yeah? Yeah. And, I'll, I'll, and and try I'll try it to Lincolnshire then uh, this but next you week can't can the them. trouble is you can't take them until summer that's the problem so will the house still be around? I'll tell you what why didn't you ask the people who are buying it that you can go in in the summer and do it yeah because okay. you can't do it anywhere before June July time right uh, that, all that right suits me fine have a go can you let us know how you get on because we're always interested I certainly will yeah OK, thank you very much indeed for your call. There's an interesting one. And so often, John is an interesting case there because so often plants are very sentimental to us. And I think think that, um, you know, that, that we plant plants for people and so often then we have to move on. So let's now go to Jane. We'll be talking to Jenny in Colchester in just a little while. And Sharon's rung in with an interesting question as well. So we've got plenty to get on with. But we have some lines free on 0300 200 40 41. Hello, Jane. Hello, Ken. Right, what have you got for us? Well, it's at my agapanthus plants, actually. Mm -hmm. um, they, they do well every year. They're in pots. But I get so many flowers, but they're so small. I used to get huge ones, but now they're quite small. There can be sort of 50 flowers on one large pot. In some, some ways, you shouldn't be grumbling, should you? <laughs> no, but I like the big flowers. They're more prominent, you know. And I'm just wondering if it's anything to do with the way I treat the previous year's flowers. What I do, I cut off the dead flower stems. That's right, yeah. And later oh, on... Hang on, though. When do you cut them off? Oh, do you, when... Do you, when let, do you let them uh, go brown and yellow before you cut them off, or do you cut them off straight away? No, not straight away. I let them go... I let them really die down, so right, that's speak. fine. No, that's fine. And I leave... But there's a few, few inches left, probably, 
of the no. stem. Well, get them as low as, you that, can, low as you can always. Yeah, but then when that really, really dies and goes hard and white, and I tend to pull them out. Pull them out. No, pull leave. Them. No, don't pull it out. Leave it there. Yeah, don't I think that's the... where I'm going wrong. Right. Now, I the other thing that... I'm going to ask you is, is it really pot-bound? Oh, no, no, no. No, I repotted them last year and didn't expect much to happen last year, but there were just as many. I put them in a, all of them in bigger pots. Right. So they still that... flowered. Right. That might be one of the reasons, because the more restricted they are, the better they flower. In fact, we never recommend you take them out, an agapanthus out of a pot until it's nearly split or broken the pot. Well, yeah, well, that's what happened with these. There was no, there was virtually no earth left in them. There okay. was no, no way to water no, them, you've really. done it. you've done it right. Do you feed at all? I do feed, yes, with tomato feed. I no, feed I was everything gonna, with those. No, that's that right. Wrong? No, that's oh, spot on. You're, you're doing everything right. Does it, is it one that keeps its leaves through winter or does it, is it? Yes. It yeah, does. they all keep the, Yeah, they've lost a few leaves this winter, actually, yep. but uh, they'll recuperate, I'm sure. So I was thinking, Ken, that where I pull out those old stems, yep. perhaps I'm leaving room for new flowers to grow from the main plant. No, you don't need to pull anything no. out at all. No. no. Don't no, worry about no. that at all. So... so Le- they, leave, what leave. happens to those then? They just stay there. They just they'll, the... they'll eventually dry and rot off, but don't leave well alone because you you might be damaging the crown a little by by the pulling. Right, right. Okay, well that's that's answered me. I Give... did leave some this year. I thought I'd do an experiment. Yeah, I left I... some in and took some out, so I'll see what happens. Jane, I also think they're settling in, so I think they might go back to being when the plant sort of gets itself to grips with the new surroundings, I think you'll find it will go back to larger go flowers. Back to the bigger flowers. Yeah. But anyway, leave those old stumps yep. of last year's in. Don't, t- don't pull them out. Don't like pulling things out of plants. You can damage the crown so easily. Uh, Agapanthus, a very oh, superb plant. Lovely blue flowers. You get white ones. They are gorgeous up on stems. Like a sort of small lily, really, aren't they? But the best thing I think to do with them is plant them in pots and then plunge the pots into the garden when they're flowering and then you can take them out again. And then you can put you can pop in dahlias as, as they finish. They are something else you can do in your borders. Nothing wrong with standing or plunging your pots into your borders. Let's go to Jenny in Colchester. She has rung us on 0300 200 40 41. Jenny. Hello. I'm planning to ask about climbing roses. When yep. is the best time to put them in? And uh, we've got sort of very clay soil. What yep. should I do to put round in the soil to make okay. them grow? Fine. Jenny, roses do like or quite like. They grow well in clay soils, but obviously right. not, not if they're waterlogged clay soils. So what we always suggest is that A... Plant now. Anytime during the winter, you can plant all the way up till March. You can buy bare root uh, climbing roses and plant them right now. Right. Plant, if you're planting, are you planting against a wall in a container or against a fence? Against a fence. Right, against a fence, you haven't got to too, worry too much because if it's against a wall, you sometimes plant away from the wall a little bit uh, to allow the moisture to get to it because the wall will restrict, restrict the moisture getting right. to the roots. But if you're against a fence, it's not a major problem. Plant against fence. Now, when you dig the hole, you dig it um, a reasonable size, about nine inches to a foot across, and right. then 
Get some compost. If it's very sticky when you dig down, get a bit of sharp sand as well, gritty sharp sand, and you mix that in with the soil that you have dug out. And the same with some multi-purpose compost. So you're, you're sort of digging a hole, your soil is on the side, you put a bit of multi-purpose compost on top of that, bit of sharp gritty sand, stir that up a little bit before you replace that back into the hole. So I know as you formed a slightly different mixture to put round the roots of the new climbing rose and that will help it on its way. And then come March, end of March, give it a blooming good feed. The best thing you can feed it with is a good rose fertiliser. It's got added um, uh, minerals in it that will help roses no end. Right, lovely. And um, is there any sort of um, ones you can recommend that are sort of fast-growing? Uh, if you want a fast-growing, you want a rambler rather than a climber. A rambler. Now, now, a rambler usually only flowers once, but it will give you a much better cover. Right. And then with a rambler particularly, or a climber, you will need to put some wires on the fence. Has it got concrete posts, your fence? or? Yes, it has. Right. Well, you might have to tap the wires into the ends of the panels of fencing and run a wire across. And right. that way you can you can... Tie the roses in with soft twine. Never wire the stems in with wire because you'll damage them. Uh, what about trellis? Would it be all right? Trellis, trellis would be up? fine, yes. If you put trellis in, it's nice. And with a new rose, you would hardly just take it back to a nice outward flower-facing bud, prune it off just above that, and you'll find you'll get lovely new growth. All right, lovely. All right. That's most helpful. No, that... You'll be fine. All right? That's yeah, fine. Lovely. Look for a rambling rose, OK? Rambling, ramb just remember the song, Rambling Rose. Rambling Rose. Yeah, I won't sing it for you, though. OK? Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks Je a lot. Jenny in, Jenny in Colchester with a rambling rose. Um, can you advise me what to do with begonia tuners, say, from last year? Well, good. Check Firstly, check that they haven't been eaten by anything or weevils or anything like that. Um, and you will start them off. It's too early to start them off yet because, remember, begonias are not hardy and you will not be able to plant them out until sort of May time. So don't start them off until March, and then you could stand them on the windowsill. If you've got a conservatory, you can leave them in the conservatory, put them in a good uh, potted compost. Multi-purpose would do well for begonia tubers, and that way you could start them off and get them out into the garden as soon as we're free, totally free of frost in May time. So that's Sharon asking about that. Um, we go to Pat in Cogglesham in just a moment. But before that, um, before that, why not give us a call on 0300 200 40 what Pat gave us a call on. We'll be talking to her in just a moment about rhododendrons in a pot. This is BBC Essex. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I have got some more tips for you. Now, firstly, I've been walking around a few veg plots and my word, even where the ground has been dragged down into a fine tilth, which really means it's getting ready for the spring sowings. 
The weeds are coming up like mad. I also visited a garden where there's some formal rose beds and wow, weed everywhere. So come on, regularly cultivate the ground. You can hoe off the weeds or you could use what I call a claw. And a claw is something my dad used to use, actually. And it's like three prongs on the end of a, end of a handle. And if you've got a multi-change, it's ideal because you can put a hole for doing the corners and flicking the edges up and use the cultivator in the middle. Gets rid of the weeds and keeps on top of them. And also a reminder as well that uh, it's, it's not just... It's, it's rose beds, flower beds, round the herbaceous plants, but watch out for those bulbs that are all emerging because you don't want to chop the tops off of those, do you? So come on, cultivate your garden. I've got another one for you while we're at it. I was passing a, a vineyard near Burnham-on-Crouch the other day and I was seeing them finishing the pruning. So come on. If you've got a, vine, a vine, not a vineyard, but if you've got a vine or a vineyard in your garden, it's time that you actually cut them back. You basically keep your main stems, which, you know, are your framework, a bit like doing a wisteria, and then you hard cut back all those side shoots to about two buds. It's as simple as that. It really is. So they are, if you've got a vine... I want a bottle of wine or a bunch of grapes this year and you can drop them off at BBC Essex. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Pat in Cockleshaw. Hello, Pat. Hello. What yeah, can we do for um, you? We want to buy a, a couple of rhododendrons. Yeah. Um, now, the pots that we've seen are 20 inch. Uh, is, are they, is that okay for them? Bit small. Bit small? A bit small. Bit small for long term. Right, so what size would you suggest then? Well, it, I suppose, actually, it comes down to how big of the rhododendrons you're going to buy. Because, um, well, they're not very big at the moment. They're, they're not. only probably about... Which oh, ones are they? A foot. What have you bought? Do you we know? haven't bought anything yet. We're going oh. up to get them today. Oh, I see. Because there used to be one that was always very good, was um, uh, some varieties of Yakushimana. That was rhododendron Yakushimana. And they work really well in pots because they produced a nice um, compact bush. And they work really well. I haven't seen Yakushimanas around much lately, but they were a really good one. But anyway, yes, rhododendron, I like to go to 30-inch, if I'm honest. Right, okay. Rather than two, 24 to 30. You'll find 24, and it depends on the depth as well. How deep's the 24s? Uh, Are they about... About 18 inches? Yeah, you see, that's not very massive. You'd have to water it in the summer all the time. You really right. would. And you can't, couldn't go on holiday at all, Pat. You couldn't. Oh, I see. Right. So you can't do that, can you? You've got to have a holiday, haven't you? Well, yeah, that's right, yeah. Right, okay then. And so, check, so we need bigger ones. Check, right, and check, with, bigger check, ones. check with your garden centre. Most rhododendrons like an acid-based soil and see that you get an acid-based soil. There is an acid, um, acid John Innes compost uh, as well, which is right. always a better better um, job for a pot. It's got a lot more longevity. Right, okay. But, I was going to ask you about that. So but it must, must be an acid-based compost. If not, use a multi-purpose acid-based compost. But right. that is really important. So, but as long as it's acid-based. Yeah, acid yep. right. that's simple. And don't forget, feed it with a good acid feed to keep the colour into the leaf and then a bit of tomato food to induce the buds, which you start, the buds, remember, on a rhododendron are produced the year before, between July and September. So you need to see that it never runs out of water through July to September because that's when the buds are formed. All right? Right. 
Lovely. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Come back to us, Pat, and let us know which ones you buy. Right. I will. Okay, then. Thanks a lot, then, Ken. Thanks. Okay, that's Pat in Coggleshaw. She's out buying rhododendrons and plopping them into pots. Why not give us a call and let us know what you're up to in your garden at the moment? 0300 200 It's as simple as that. Dan in Leon C says he has a large Bramley tree. When should he spray it for coddling moth? Well, there's pretty well nothing that you can spray. Um, I think fruit tree spray has gone, but to spray a large Bramley tree is really very difficult indeed. And in fact, most people would rely on a codling moth trap. Now, the codling moth trap is like, um, it's like really a contraceptive for the codling moth because it attracts the males and they stick to the surface of this um, trap. It's rather cruel in a way because they then don't get to catch up with the females and therefore produce these nasty little grubs that go into the, co- into the apples and pears. Codling moss trap you need to put in your tree just as the blooms start to develop and you hang them in the tree depending on the size of tree. Read on the label very carefully because it will tell you how many traps you need on the size of the tree. So it's as simple as that. Well, that's what you've got to do, Dan. A coddling moth trap and anybody else that is suffering with that, that's what you need to do. So stay up, coddling moth trap, just as the flower begins to form. Uh, We had a note from Rob. He said, I recently started occasionally to squirrel in my garden. Cute to watch, but what damage will it do? Do I need to call in pest control? I don't think pest control get rid of your squirrels. I don't think that's their job. Um, I'm not saying they're necessarily... I don't, I'm not sure whether a protected a grey squirrel is protected or not. I don't actually know the fact on that. Uh, but pest control generally will not get rid of uh, squirrels. What they do is they will build up... They dig up bulbs. They do that sort of damage. So if you plant uh, onion sets, they'll lift them out the ground. If you plant snowdrops, they lift them out the ground because they will take them away. Also, they'll clear any nuts that you might put out for the birds as well. It's amazing. I had a, 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 you know, squirrels move nuts across gardens. They replant them in pots. They can be a bit of a pain, but some people feed them and love to see them. But you do need to be a bit careful what you do with them. They are a pest, though. Well, I think so. They're lovely to look at, but can be a pest as well. So they are. Uh, they are. Thank you very much, Rob, for your question. If anybody's got any sensible and humane ways of getting rid of um, squirrels, that's the way. To, that's the way to do it. I'm going to nip actually straight to John from Brentwood because I know other people. Yep, let's go to John quickly because John, you've used codling moth traps and you yeah. found them no use at all. You're saying? I can. I haven't found them. Uh... You, they're not any good at all, I don't find. And I put two in the tree and I change the, the lure. Do they uh, catch male moths? Well, I don't know which is a male moth. Well, it, do, OK, like, do they catch moths? Yes, hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. It means well, you've got a major problem if they're hundreds of them, doesn't it? Well, you know what I mean. And you have know, you the, seen any improvement at all in the apple crop? No. You really haven't? No. no. See, the, the time... The only time that you, I found that you could uh, control this sort of stuff is when you used to spray the trees. Yeah, with a winter wash. Well, the yeah. winter washes today aren't, aren't as strong. You can spray with a winter wash, but the winter wash doesn't do what the old ones used to, and that's the no. problem. 
That's right. Um, that's an interesting one because a lot of people possibly would say that they do help. I mean, they're used right. commercially as well, aren't they? So I don't know. I yeah, don't know. yeah, I don't they know. are. So um, uh, it's a shame to hear that, John. I'd like to hear from other people and hear what they say. Yeah. yeah? Are you still yeah. using them anyway, John? Well, yeah. Uh, I think you've got to be careful the stuff's not out of date. Yes, you have. Uh, You're best to buy new stuff each year. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I bought new last year. I did, I, at one stage I was using the like couple-of-year-old ones. Yep. Uh, when I say you, brand new ones, but a couple of years old, um, and I spoke to the people who make who do the thing, and uh, they said it was a two-year life with them. Oh, I see. Yeah. And um, they can't actually think of why it's not working. No, Certainly I certainly not. I don't. I don't know either on that one. So I, I, I'm... I give I give sackfuls of apples to a bloke down the road who's got a goat. That's <laughs> nice for them. So you're being you're being very good to the goat, but not very helpful to yourself. Not anyway, because they're lovely apples. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, anybody else has got a comment uh, for John? Any tips for John? Give us a call. Oh three hundred two hundred forty forty one, and we go to John in Benfleet. What are we talking about today, John? Hello, um, azaleas in a pot. Mm? Um, in a container. Yes. Um, Obviously, it's going to flower. And what I want to know the answer to is, does it like to be pot-bound or not? No, not too pot-bound. Um, if, if the roots... Have, how big is the container you've got? Is it very oh, large? It's about, it's about... It's quite wide it's, and it's heavy, so I can't move it very far. Right. The, um, the most so what I want to know... Yep. Is, there's no doubt that it is pot-bound. Right, OK. So what you need somebody to do is possibly lift it out of the pot a bit. If You're going to keep it in that pot. Cause well, it's... if necessary, get a bigger one. Right. Well, that's what so you that's should... That's what I wanted to know the answer to. Well, the answer is yes, you should be... It doesn't really want to be pot-bound. So right. I would suggest you get a larger pot. The other way that thing pe people keep things in containers and what they how they treat them is what they do there is they pull it out of the pot, they tease the roots around the outside, pulling away some of the soil and on the surface and then put fresh compost around it. But if yours is really pot-bound, get a new pot... Give it some good compost and it'll be away again, John. Yeah, does it need some feed in the bottom? No, put always put feed in with the in with the compost that you're replanting with. Don't just dump it in the bottom. It doesn't no, do any no. good. No, okay. Yeah, right, gotcha. And then liquid feed through the summer period with a good liquid fertilizer. Thank you very much. Pleasure, John. Pleasure, John. Thank you. Bye -bye. Now, that's Azalea's in a pot, and we'll be talking to Jackie in Corringham in just a little while. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips of things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. 
So let's uh, start with planning your garden because, OK, we sit indoors and we look at the garden and we think, oh, I wonder whether a pergola would fit in that corner of the garden. Could I grow clematis on it? Perhaps climbing roses or a wisteria. And it would be nice to have a wildlife pond because then perhaps the grandchildren or young children that you've got yourself could do a bit of pond dipping. Do I want to grow vegetables? Would I just put veg beds in or shall I get raised vegetable beds? Do I need a better bit of lawn? Perhaps I'll put a little golf tee in so I can practice my putting. These are things that we should think about now. Yes, plan your garden. Think now. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. I said I would go to Jackie in Corringham. Jackie, what you got for us today? Oh, hi there. Um, just coming back on your uh, agapanthers. Yep. Um, now, mine are in the garden. Um, been there about 10 years now. Haven't touched them, moved them or anything. Now, they come up beautifully green every year. And then one year I only have three flowers. And then the next year I can have... 43 flowers, and I just wondered, <laughs> what's that all about? There, there is no reason. It's literally the conditions of the ground. You might have had a dry spring and them not taken in enough water on the years that they only produce a few flowers because, you know, they need water and feed. And we have had some very dry springs, and I would guess that that would be the problem. I mean, this yeah. year, if anything, we got a wet spring so far, haven't we? Um, would you recommend to feed them as they're in the garden? I would personally just use, I mean, there's Vitax Q4, I quite like. You just, that's a gran, it's a sort of grit, gritty, granularly sort of one you can put around and just fork that in. You could use something as simple as grow more. And then as the, uh, as the flower, as the buds start to form, you can see them at the base, it could be worth you putting a bit of tomato food on. Oh, right, as easy as that. Okay, then, that's lovely. Thank you very right. much. Okay. Thank you. That's uh, uh, Jackie in Corringham. Um, now, Sue says that, um, Sue says, I believe grey squirrel are a vermin and can be killed humanely by pest control. That's Sue has said that. And so th they are counted as vermin. I mean, I, I said they were a real pest, but yeah, they're counted as vermin. We said we'd ask and find out about that, and Sue has come back and told us. And we have checked that, and that is absolutely correct. So thank you, Sue, for that. It's always good to have that information here on BBC Essex, and that's what the gardening programme is all about, passing on information about things in the garden. Sid in Thundersley, what are we talking about with Sid in Thundersley who's given us a call on 0300 200 41, line free at the moment if you'd like to get through. Sid. Hello Ken, I'm just um, creating a living roof on an old shed, the shed's not that critical if any damage happened to it or whatever, I'm, I've put a membrane down yep. and I've seen it recommended that I use sedum. That's right. Yeah, but I wondered, as I'm a bit of a cheapskate, if I could use ivy on a very thin uh, level of soil <laughs> on the shed. I like, I like, I like your, I like your idea. I'm a cheapskate. I like. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes, you could. My worry with the ivy is that the roots are incredibly invasive. Chances are they'd end up going through the membrane. 
and yeah. they will go into the roof of the shed and they'll hang over and go into the shed as well. I mean, is it a wooden shed or a... Yeah, it's got a, a, a three-quarter inch plywood decking. Yeah. And um, I I was going to use um, a heavyweight uh, polyscene of some description as a membrane, a membrane or possibly buy a tarpaulin. As yeah. a membrane. The answer is yes, it would work. It will work definitely. I think long term you might find it becomes a bit of a pest. But, you know, I think, you know, that's long term. And do we worry oh. about long term sometimes? No, I don't think so at my age. You know, I'll probably pop off before anything. I mean, sorry. I've even seen sheds without a membrane completely covered over the roof. And, in fact, if, in a way, it's like people don't like climbers on the houses, but actually they're a great insulator. Um, they do yeah. work as an insulation as well. And, you know, you can just cut it with the shears then. As it grows, oh, just yeah. cut it with shears. Well, I think of it, I just mentioned, sorry to butt in, the um, thickness of the soil underneath, I want to keep it to a minimum so I don't have to reinforce the roof of the shed that much. Uh, yeah. Is there a minimum... You, I, Ivy. Ivy, if you can keep it watered, honestly, will grow in hardly any soil at all. You could use a peat-based, a peat or multi-purpose compost, which is lighter than the John Innes. Um, you yep. could get away with an inch or so. I would have thought. I mean, I've got an old barn. I'm going to strip the ivy off it in yep. one lump and put it on top of the shed, and I, I'm hoping that will take. I think it will. I don't think you've got any problems at all. And I wouldn't have to have a container for it to grow out no, of or take no, it down to the ground. No, if you keep it well watered, it will take beautifully. As you put it on, what I would do, if you're going to take it off a, another barn and you're going to lay it on this, on this membrane with some soil, yeah, yeah, or some compost, and then I would sprinkle and brush in a bit of compost across the top of it. Yeah. And that will get all round. Do you see what I mean? So put, it, put some compost in the base, yeah? Yeah. Put the ivy on, then get handfuls of it and put it on top of the ivy and then just brush yeah. it with your hands, you know, like in a brushing motion. That's fine. Well, thank you very much for the advice. I'll, right. uh, I'll, I'll wonder about it. Yeah. Thank you. All the best, then. Give it a call. Yeah. Thank you very much. You can get your call in now on 0300 200 Rhubarb. This has come from Daryl on an email. Don't forget, you can always send me emails in the week and we'll do them at the weekend. Rhubarb. Five weeks ago, dug up some real rhubarb crowns and I left them on the surface to expose them to frost, hoping to stimulate new growth on replanting. I haven't had any frost since. When and how should I replant? It's interesting that the reason, in fact, my dad used to do that and I didn't think it made any difference at all. The main reason, in theory, that you expose the crown to frost is that you give it a cold spell. Then if you're forcing rhubarb, you dig it up, right, it was really designed for forcing. So you dig them up, expose them to frost. They realise it's been very, very cold. Then you would put them into a greenhouse or cold frame and they'd be warmer. And they think, oh, it's spring and off they go. That was the main reason you would turn them upside down and expose them to frost. Plant them now. Get on with it. Rich compost around them. Mix it in with the soil as you replant and then put a layer of rich compost around them. They love it. Not over the crown, not over against the crown but round the crown and that's when you should replant your fruiting raspberries cut them down now encourage the new growth and then you'll get a lovely show of them so they are go with it thank you very much for your email daryl and that is on ken at garden uh, ken at 
ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Got there in the end. Right, we've got a, a few texts to deal with and we've got room for uh, another call as well on 0300 200 4041. Uh, Patrick's texts say, in, um, please do not entice squirrels near to your house as damage is serious if they get into your loft. They can also cause fires by chewing electric wires. I think it is true, and I have heard of cases where they do get in the lofts. So watch. Don't feed them, really. Feed them up the end of the garden if you're a, if you're a squirrel lover, but don't do it. That's an interesting point, and thank you very much, Patrick, for that. That's a very, very good point indeed. Um, I have a 10-year-old apple tree. Can I prune it, or is it is it too late? No, it is not too late. They're dormant still. There's no growth, particularly on an apple tree. Uh, we've been, even as contractors, we've been finishing off some of our apple trees in gardens and pear trees. But remember that you mustn't prune a stone fruit tree. So no cherries, apricots, any of those. And, um, and that's what you need to do. Open, open up the tree... Invoids, give it some air in the middle. That's what's important with with apple trees. We, if you do heavy pruning, you get lots of soft growth, which you don't really want. We used to do that, but we don't do that unless we're trying to induce new growth for the future. In other words, if it's an old tree, you've said it's 10 years old. If you haven't pruned it at all, yes, give it a hard prune. Cut it hard back and you'll get new growth and then you can. I can tell you how to treat that new growth through the summer period. However... If it is an established tree that's giving you fruit, all we do is cross, damaged, and that sort of branches. Cut those out completely. Cut the whole branch out. Um, if necessary, tip a few of the leaders out to keep the height down, but only cut those back by about a third, and it's as simple as that. But it is not too late at all to do your fruit trees. I've also got... Another email here uh, that has come in from Keith. Now, Keith sent us an interesting picture um, with a bug. that It looks a bit like a vine weevil, but I'm not convinced it is a vine weevil. And he's saying this beetle decimates his tree in his garden every year for the past five years. He can't remember the pest's name. It would be very helpful if we knew what the pest's name is. But, of course, what he's saying is it lays, it appears to lay its eggs in the bark which hatch about March, then the grubs eat the new foliage. Uh, it then burrows in the ground to hatch adult beetles. Um, it's, it's an interesting one. I can't actually put my finger on what it is. Uh, you could be using uh, something like um, Bug Clear Ultra, which is a systemic uh, insecticide, if it's not a fruit tree, uh, and that way, as they eat the foliage, they would get killed. So that's something that you could look at. It's Bug Clear Ultra. It's a systemic insecticide. It's one of the few around. Um, that's the only one that I can find that you could use, Keith. So that's something to think about. So they are. Um, but I don't know exactly what their beetle is. I'll show a few more people and we might better come back to you on that in a week's time. That chap who called in earlier on Codling Moss Trap, he hangs in his apple tree. Haven't you also got to put a grease band around the trunk to stop creepies crawling up? If yes, should you put the band round now? Yes, uh, grease bands do help. They do help stop creepy crawlies coming up the bank, up coming up the bark and getting into the tree. They really do. So there are there's something else that you could be thinking about doing. That's putting a grease band around. 
the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0300 200 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.